Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. This is Tim Birch. was actually invited out to the uh, Oregon Professional Land Surveyors Conference. Um, so I'm sitting here with this year's Surveyor of the Year, I want to get that in already, uh, NSPS Director, Mr. Pat Gaylord. And uh, so in part of what we typically would do is get to know your NSPS directors. And so get an idea of from what walks of life each of our directors come because every surveyor has a story and so who is Pat Gaylord? I mean, how did, how, how did you get your start in surveying? Uh, I'm second generation surveyor, so my dad and uncle were both surveyors and... Ah, uh, oh, the affliction. Yes, so I started out young and uh, started out painting white stakes in the driveway for subdivisions at uh, a Nicholas stake when I was like eight years old. And uh, by the time I graduated high school, I was drawing subdivision plats by hand and running a field crew. And uh, I went to Oregon State University bound and determined not to be a surveyor. I was going to be a forester. And by the time I graduated, I uh, came back to surveying and ran the family business for a number of years. The rest is history. Well, I guess an interesting little factoid, I don't know if I, maybe you knew this. I didn't know it until just recently. Mark Sargent, the NSPS president, he went to school to be a forester and just it came back around to surveying. So it's amazing that that particular profession has uh, blossomed a, a heck of a lot of good surveyors. So. There's a large number of surveyors here in the state of Oregon that graduated from the OSU forest engineering program. So oh, Very good, very good. All right, so tell us a little bit about you know, I mean, the more I'm talking to people here, the the more I'm hearing about how much Pat has been involved with PLSO for a long time. So, what drew you into getting involved in PLSO, and what I guess what motivates you to want to be so involved and do so much for for the organization? Well, what drew me in is my dad. <laughs> um, so I went to a PLSO meeting like when I was in high school yep, and uh, you know listened in and all that I actually became a student member of uh, PLSO in 1987 when I graduated from high school and I've been a member ever since so whatever that is yeah 35 long, years long, just yeah long, long time long time um, and I just I have a hard time saying no to things um, <laughs> but I feel really compelled that it's a professional's responsibility to give back to the profession. And so I became a chapter secretary early, maybe after I graduated. It was probably after I graduated from college, but I became a chapter secretary and then I got uh, you know, to a chapter president level and got involved with the state board and I've been involved with committees. Um, 
recruiting students into the profession is really near and dear to me uh, to try and replace myself. Sure. And so I was state scholarship chair for nine years. I've been the state board chair twice, and uh, now I'm the NSPS director. Nice. And this year's surveyor of the year. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep keep chiming that in. So. Yeah, and I, I don't really know how it happened, but this is the second time around as Surveyor of the Year. So, oh, that's uh, very cool. It was about very 16 cool. years ago. So I, I guess what, I mean, you're following in the footsteps of some pretty good NSPS governors slash directors. Uh, what, well, besides not being able to say no, what, what drew your interest to become, to taking on the NSPS role? I've done a lot in PLSO. And this was this is another opportunity at something larger. Uh, politics has always kind of interested me. So the the day on the hill and the lobbying and the legislation and uh, Daryl Fuller here, who's our PLSO state lobbyist, uh, kind of inspired me with that. It intrigues me uh, to see how the inner workings of government work and how we can benefit the surveying profession with Very it. Good. So. Uh, this opportunity as Bob Neithammer was um, ready to step down as our director, uh, it was a logical step for me as kind of a next piece of my career. Good, very good. Well, and one thing that, you know, in getting to know you over the last couple of years and talking about, uh, and like you just said, workforce development and replacing us eventually has obviously become very, very near and dear to your heart. What efforts are being done in Oregon as far as workforce development and going to that next step of trying to find our next generation? Um, PLSO here at the state level has had uh, an Education Goals and Action Committee for a number of years that uh, Lee Spurgeon was in charge of. And he worked really hard at workforce development. Um, we have a ride-along program. We have a number of different uh, internship opportunities that he helped build so that we could attract students and give people that were just interested in a job change at whatever level they were, whether it's high school or later, uh, the Ride Along pro program gave them an opportunity to go out and see wow. what uh, surveying was about. My nephew, who I've talked to for years about surveying, never even you know was interested. Uh, and then he decided to go on a ride along and got hooked and now he's a student at OIT. So oh, very good. Um, it really, you can talk all you want, but it has that impact of being out there in the field and seeing how the measurements work and all of that is huge. And just one day was enough to give him a taste of what goes on. So I think that's really important. Um, building upon that, ACEC here in Oregon has realized the numbers of declining surveyors and reached out to PLSO through a relationship that was built a few years ago on a legislative effort uh, on something totally different. Uh, and so ACEC and PLSO are now working together on a joint committee and we're reaching out uh, beyond the lines of survey to contractors and architects and all the other folks that we work with we have a working committee uh, that's been formed over this last year to maybe find a different way to recruit surveyors. So it's not just the surveyors trying to find students, but using all the people that are affected by the declining numbers of surveyors to help us find more surveyors. 
And so that committee is a year old. It's really kind of getting off the ground because of the setbacks of COVID and things like that. Right. But, um, you know, we have great expectations that maybe trying something different will help. Well, and I'm assuming out here in Oregon, uh, you're most companies are faced with the same not just license shortages but technician shortages that we're seeing everywhere yes absolutely yeah. our company is affected and you know small small and large companies alike are uh, really struggling with how do we get people to you know if you have an ad that goes for a month and no one responds that's a big impact to your business and right. it's happening all the time to all of us probably nationwide right well, that's something that we've we've talked about uh, at a couple of different levels. That you know, when you see all these one ads, and basically the only requirement is is not even a high school degree; it's a driver's license. Uh, you know, we're I shouldn't say we're necessarily setting the bar low. I mean, we've got to give people opportunities, but uh, you'd think we should be able to be able to find better at least candidates. So I mean, just. Uh, What's been your experience in trying to find anybody and anybody out there? Is there just is nobody to be found? There's nobody to be found. I mean, poaching from other companies, and that doesn't work for very long either because right. we have to maintain, you know, we want to maintain professional relationships with each right. other. So poaching each other's employees is about as unprofessional as you can get. Yep. Um, you know, I had a surveyor tell me the other day, they, they have very good job opportunities, and they aren't even advertising because it's just a waste of time mm -hmm. uh, is the conclusion that they've come to. And so in our company, uh, we're much larger, but uh, you know, we have a recruiting and retention plan that we're trying to execute and you know, the job fairs and all those kinds of things to, to attract people. But we still have ads go unanswered for long periods of time. Sure, sure. Well, I want to switch gears just a little bit because I'm always interested in hearing the working conditions of surveyors in different parts of the country that obviously your Oregon is a is a as a PLSS state um, what is I guess describe surveying in Oregon because there are some mountains there is some flat land there is some I mean it's a little bit of everything out here most of surveying in Oregon is rural it's uh you know, it's Eastern Oregon, which is more sparsely populated, um, you know, retracing oftentimes original GLO corners that still haven't been recovered, uh, even in this day and age. Uh, as you move into the Willamette Valley, it's more heavily populated. So, you know, there are, Portland, of course, is the largest city and it kind of gets smaller as you go south. Uh, but it's heavily forested and brush and the working conditions are difficult. but. The majority of surveying in Oregon is really rural areas. Now, uh, I, you know, even with sectionalized land, I mean, are there big land holdings out out east, uh, or is it is it, are there a lot of smaller uh, farmsteads out there? No, there's big land holdings, big ranches. That's um, what I was assuming. Kind of not yeah. necessarily Montana, but it's there's some there's some big land holdings yeah out and there. we have a significant holding you know of federal lands and state lands as well so um there's a little bit of everything out here we have everything from downtown portland to you know big federal land holdings indian reservations uh large ranches and timber holdings Very a lot cool. of large timber companies wow i, I just like 
my, like I said, myself growing up in central Illinois, I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot of rural flatland in Illinois, but I just can't imagine that desolate. And, and like I said, going back and finding original GLO corners and some of this stuff is just, it, it, I guess I'm jealous because there's got to be some level of excitement going to one of these corners and, and maybe finding something that hasn't been found since forever. Most definitely. It, uh, it'll put a smile on your face every oh, time. It's got to be got to be a phenomenal feeling. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I guess, I mean, how much work have you, I mean, what what's serving like along the coast? I mean, it's it's got to be, uh, I mean, obviously different than eastern Oregon. I mean, it, uh, I mean, are we seeing, you know, subsidence and just very, very shifting things? I mean, is it like, you hear so much of this out of California, but um, I mean, what's the, what's coastal surveying like? Um, we have a lot of small towns on the coast. We don't really have the subsidence issues and things like that, but um, surveying on the Oregon coast is wet and about as brushy as you can imagine. Okay. Uh, there's lots of surveying challenges, you know, associated with it just because of the working conditions. But the the conditions like we've talked about here at the conference, uh, you know, with coordinates and subsidence and movement and all that is all fairly stable here. Good, good. Well, I guess that, I mean, that was one thing I noticed flying into Portland, first time into Oregon, and come in, and it's it's raining, it's foggy, and I guess that's that's Portland weather. That's a day in Western Oregon. Oh boy, which is not a bad thing, I guess, um, but it but it is so temperate. I guess that's that's. I mean, you you don't. It doesn't sound like you have the typical seasonal surveying because it's temperate enough throughout the year that you can survey really through the year most definitely i uh, i follow a couple of the facebook groups online for surveyors and i see them posting that oh it rained today so we're in the office because we won't work in the rain or do our will our instruments hold up in the rain it's like if you didn't work in the rain here you'd never work even in the summertime right it stops raining the joke is it stops raining on the 5th of july and it starts raining in october so (laughs) that's that's about it for our dry season Miss Amy walks in with uh, the executive director here for uh, PLSO. Miss Miss Amy, would you please just give us? Oh no, come on in. This this is fine. We need a little guest appearance. Okay. <laughs> Does this guy really deserve Surveyor of the Year? Come on. Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Oh, good, good. One hundred percent. I'm gonna be honest. Sometimes I'm like, eh, I'm sure they did. I don't know, but Pat, one hundred percent has been. Um, God, I don't know. I like him so much. I can't even tell you. He's just such an incredible committee wow. and chair and everything. And he's, he's a and he's a surveyor too. I just, he I, is. I'm shocked. And and my friend. So <laughs> I like him. <laughs> thank you. So, all right. Well, thank you. That there's nothing wrong with having a little guest appearance in in the middle <laughs> of the episode. It's fine. I will say this: Pat doesn't. Um, he doesn't do anything halfway. So if he says he's going to do it, he does it. It gets done when he said he's going to get it done. And he, he doesn't necessarily respond to every email I send because I send a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, he, he gets it done, and I really appreciate that about him. So thank you. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> that's, uh, that's high praise, and she's... She's tough. She's tough. She's hard to work for. She's tough. You know, that's, that's, and that's something I, I do want to take a, a minute to just kind of 
call out that everybody uh, in the conference has been wonderful, and she's been fantastic. And really, she because this is the first time back in person for right. We were since, we were remote last year, right? And there's a lot to be said for putting together, you know, a conference again after being off for COVID and getting you know. Uh, going the hybrid route for some of these things um kudos and we're we're blended this year so the conference committee and amy have really pulled off a feat yes we're half hybrid and half in person yes so kudos to pluso for everything they've done to pull this off because uh i think it's pretty good attendance what what it looks like and uh to be able to put all this stuff together with with good video and audio and recording all this stuff so kudos to all of you that, that have put this together so all right well back to pat and the story about pat so if you had to go back uh into your youth and uh if you had could give your your youth some some advice on where your surveying career has taken you is there anything you would say differently is there anything you would change oh my goodness um that's a tough question. I don't know. I mean, I just love what I do so much. I think uh, just find a way to stay ahead of the technology or at least stay neck and neck with the technology. Right, um, right. Well, it sounds yeah. like the answer is no. You yeah, would just, no, you would just, I, you would just you, I mean, I'm just so, I've just had such a great career and PLSO has been a huge part of that. I mean, I have so many friends here that I've made over the years and I think that's the the bedrock of the professional associations is the relationships you build with people around the state that you don't see and would never meet otherwise, except for organizations like PLSO or NSPS, um, and that exchange of ideas. I mean, that's that's the advice I would give any young surveyor is to get involved with a professional organization and not just be a member that shows up, but I mean, truly get on a committee or do something uh, that allows you to meet people at a at a professional level and start to generate those friendships. Nice. And it's it's made a huge impact on my career, both with clients and employers. Nice. Are there any surveys or any one particular monument, corner recovery, whatever that stands out? I mean, every surveyor has a story about some of these surveys. Do you have one? Do you have any special um, ones? I, I worked in Eastern Oregon for a summer, and uh, I was working over there and used a technique I had learned from my dad, and I recovered a 106-year-old pine post that had been burned off uh, and was below ground. That was, that was a big find, and I have uh, you know souvenir from that. Um, and then more recently, uh, I did a pretty extensive road retracement survey uh, here in Oregon that was really difficult, and it's it's one that I'm pretty proud of. It's, nice. Uh, uh, you know, I think it that was really interesting, and it kind of covered all the aspects of surveying from, you know, control and everything else, topo and boundary. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, let's... <laughs> You know, and I guess that was part of why I why I'm out here was just talking about the future of surveying. I guess from Pat's perspective, in Oregon, PLSO, NSPS, all this, these things combined, and seeing what the technology is doing, 
where do you see surveying in the future? Do we have a bright future? Do we? What do we need? What do we need to do to make the future of surveying uh, bright? Basically, the demographic numbers that have been published by Oregon and Arizona and maybe some other states, you know, they paint a dismal picture for us. But uh, the future of the profession is bright, and any young surveyor coming in right now can from the field on up can almost write their own ticket for what they want for employment opportunities and wages and things like that. So I think the future is bright and I think we'll recover from kind of where we're at right now. Uh, but we have to we have to think broadly and we have to think out of the box about how we're going to recruit people, how we're going to train people. Uh, technology is a blessing and a curse because mm -hmm. we have such smaller crews. How do you mentor people in the field with a robot? Uh, right when they're the only ones there right so um, exactly you know we really have to focus on how do we train that next generation and we need to do it before this big bubble of people retires because the threat to the profession is the knowledge gap that's about to walk out the door exactly exactly well and you also have uh, some pretty good resources as far as educational uh, programs here in the state um, how do we engage them even more than they are to to get to get more surveyors into the programs because I can't imagine they're busting at the seams with with students um, maybe they are I'm hoping they are but I guess it's kind of stereotypical across the country that the surveying programs are lacking just because of the exposure to what surveyors are because people don't know what we do yes you know uh, we're still obscure and people are surprised that we even still exist sometimes. Um, you know, in Oregon, we're blessed. We have a number of different programs, uh, both community college and university. Uh, the Clark program in Vancouver is really good because it's a field technician program that transfers to the university level. And that's churning out great, you know, field people and entry level office people. Uh, but they're not bursting at the seams. Mm -hmm. Every year is a challenge to put butts in the seats and keep the program full and keep it alive. Sure. And that's the case for the universities as well. Sure. Well, we've got to find some balance. And, and um, well, let's, let's, let's back that up. You said about people don't know what we do. What do we do? What, what, what would be a good definition? How do we change the narrative for the for the public of what do we do? Because typically I, it's the, the guy standing on the sand, side of the road taking pictures. Um, what do we do? How can I, we explain that? I think that? sometimes surveyors are their own worst enemy where they're, we're, we've fought the battle against technology for too long. Whether it was GIS and we thought we were going to take that over or whether it was machine control or things like that. If surveyors get clear about what we're licensed to do, boundaries, we're the only ones in the U.S. licensed to do boundaries, mm -hmm. um, and yet we sell ourselves short on that all the time. And if, yes, we, we, if we respected ourselves as professionals, that's maybe not the right word, but um, if we recognize that, then we, we're the king of the hill in that. And, the, the construction and things like that are all things we can make money at, but other people can do them too. 
if we focus on geodesy and management of data and boundaries that no one else can take away from us, then there's no reason that we don't have a very bright future. Exactly. And we can, you know, build accordingly. We're the only ones allowed to do it. And hey. I know that's a dirty word to say, but it's true. Well, at the end of the day, we've got to put food on the table we, for our families. I mean, we, you've got to be able to have a career. We're here to make a profit. Yeah, we've got to have we got to have careers to be able to, to live a life. So yeah, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. Especially but as, as far as the focus of survey, we we really just need to get clear on what can we do that no one else can take away from us, and then get really really good at it and exactly. recruit with it. Exactly. What other things? do we need to do as a profession I guess and, and what I mean is you know partnering with you know I should say partnering but uh, there's always been this we've been kind of at loggerheads with with the GIS community somewhat that you know for a long time it was GIS was beneath a surveyor and now the technology is basically taken GIS and raced past what we do now can the surveying profession help themselves that much more by embracing that type of technology and being able to uh, being able to work with the GIS community that much much closer? Oh, absolutely. I think we're foolish not to. And GIS is such a powerful tool. Much, much of it is outside of what we do. But GIS is such a powerful tool to put together maps for applications and exhibits and court exhibits and public involvement and things that the surveyor doesn't have to be the GIS expert, but we should have those folks on staff and embrace what they do and, and learn from them. There's a ton to learn there that the surveyor can take advantage of. Exactly. Well, I think... Uh you know, bottom line is that uh, I think surveying is alive and well in Oregon. Yes. From what from what I'm seeing here, uh, you've got a great organization here. You've got a great uh, eg uh, executive team running PLSO. Um, I don't know. You said you were a little bit over overwhelmed that you were uh, sec uh, surveyor of the year again. Um, so what's next for Pat Gaylord? More Just of the same. More of the same. I guess more of the same. I'm looking forward to new challenges with NSPS, and I want to continue the effort to, to just bring more people into the profession and educate them about what a great thing we have to offer um, with history and measurement and all kinds of things that someone can find a niche in surveying with so many different interests. They can find something that they can enjoy about it, whether it's technology or whatever. And if we can all work together and find a way to convey that message, that's my next challenge. Very good. Very good. Well, I know you came on as an NSPS director in the time of COVID. Um, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, we, I mean, yes, you said you'd uh, been to Lobby Day, but you weren't in really, other than just PLSO capacity then, I'm looking forward to having you in person, full time, you know, full on experience with the NS uh, NSPS uh, group, and like I said, we're going to put you to work. I, I know committees that need your help, <laughs> that need your drive, that need that enthusiasm. That we just we've got to we've got to be able to do more things. And uh, well, Amy said it best that uh, it sounds like uh, uh, Pat's a man of his word, and uh, I look forward to working a lot more closely with you and. 
and doing some very cool things in the future. I do too. We've got big challenges in front of us, so it'll be exciting. Oh yeah, very much. All right, well that'll wrap it up for this uh, week's edition of Surveyor Says. I, like I said, I gotta just kind of keep doting on Surveyor of the Year, Mr. Pat Gaylord here in, in Oregon, just uh, kind of kind of rubbing that in a little bit. I think he's a little overwhelmed. So uh, we do have a couple more great uh, interviews coming up. So uh, subscribe where wherever you're listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.